a help. I, I've had some people actually come to me and say, Pastor, I'd really like for you to teach on this just so we know better of, of what the Bible has to say about, about our giving. And usually whenever we, we hear the word giving, it always goes directly to our thoughts about our pocketbook. However, we, we find that uh, God wants us to be a giver uh, in all areas of our life. And so the, the title of today is Be a Giver in a Taker's Society. We are definitely in a society today where it's me-oriented and, and uh, uh, everything that you look around you and, and those that are uh, trying to sell something, they're always trying to uh, show how, how you need that and, and that it's not a want, but it's truly a need. And um, my, my wife is always telling me about that. I keep telling her that I need a brand new Dodge Power Wagon. Um, I'm thinking red and black would be okay. And I know you don't, Rory's giving me the dirty, the dirty look up here. He's saying Ford Raptors, uh, which would be fine too. But uh, we probably need to turn that air up or something, too, before we give everybody a heart attack with these things, too. But uh, anyway, we are, we're just in such a society today that, that has uh, taught us to be so selfish, and, and our, our world is selfish around us. We have people around us that are, that are extremely selfish and, and uh uh, rude in, in uh, getting what it is that they want. And, and so as, as we give thought today, I pray that as I preach this, I also will be teaching this, that, that, that we take it in a way that is truly honoring and pleasing to God and what it is that He wants from us. And so we're, we're going to take a look at a couple of verses here, but then we're, we are going to be jumping around a lot in, in the Scriptures today. But but the, we know that uh, the Proverbs, most of those were, not all of them, but many of them were written by Solomon. And in Proverbs 22 and verse 9, he tells us, He that hath a bountiful eye shall be blessed, for he giveth of his bread to the poor. And so here, the one that has a bountiful eye, a, a good, a, a kind, a benevolent eye shall shall be blessed, for he giveth his bread to the poor. And so here, he, he sees the need, he, he looks at what's going on, he, he has a, a soft eye, he has a kind eye, he has a benevolent uh, a spirit about him, and, and is willing to help meet the needs of those around us. Look, in, in this selfish society that we are in, there are people that are in a true need for First of all, for salvation. They, they have such a need to realize that Jesus loves them and that, that he showed us that he loves us by dying on that cross to uh, give us that path to, to, uh, of a way to God to relieve us of this sin burden and, and to be able to come directly to our God and, and to be able to spend an eternity with him. Jesus did all of that on that cross of Calvary and died and rose again the third day, showing us that his sacrifice was sufficient, that 
whosoever will place their faith in him as their Savior, you will have eternal life. And and it is a joy to know this. It, it's a joy to, it, it relieves such a burden to know that my sins are forgiven, to, to, to know that my home is in heaven and know that, that I am prepared if that day comes that, that uh, God, uh, my life is over here, that I can know that I'll be spending an eternity with him in heaven. And, and, and what a joy that is in knowing that Jesus was the example of, of, of a giver. And he gave his life for us. And, and, and I mean, he, he shows us over and over what, what a giver that Jesus was and, and how we need to understand that we need to have that kind of a kind and bountiful eye to be willing to, to share and, and to be a giver in a taker society. He also, Paul made the statement over in Acts chapter 20, and he said that Jesus said this, and, and obviously Paul must have uh, heard him uh, tell him that at some point in time, and uh, when whenever he had been called, and and Jesus talked to him there and taught him in the in the the desert, and and during some point in time, because he said that Jesus made the statement that that uh, uh, it, it's uh, you are more blessed to give than receive, and so Jesus even telling us that we ought to be willing to give rather than receive. Matthew 20 and verse 28, talking about Jesus, even as the Son of Man came not to be ministered unto, but to minister and to give his life a ransom for many. Anyone here know what the word minister means? To serve. It also, that that same word is translated deacon in, in other places. And so whenever we give thought to the pastor of the church, then what is it that he does? He serves. He serves the Lord, and, and as he serves the Lord, he takes care of the flock that God has made him an overseer of, and, and so he serves the flock, and, and he serves the people because that's what God wants him to do. I'm, look, I'm, I'm not here to, to uh, be anything other than a servant to the people and, and to be a servant because that's what God has called me to do. And so we, we have too many preachers that have become politicians, and, and our politicians have forgotten that they are a servant of the people. And so, and if they're not going to serve the people, then vote them out. Get them out of there. And so, and it's the same way if you have a pastor that isn't willing to serve the people, then get him out of there. And then deacons, the deacons aren't there to, to guide the church. The deacons are there to serve the pastor and to serve the church. And, 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 and here, all throughout this, we, we see in the Scriptures and Old Testament and New Testament all alike that God has called us to serve. Totally opposite of what the world is trying to teach us today and in being a taking society. And so we need to learn to be willing to give of ourselves and, and be willing to be a servant and, and uh, serve God and, and do what it is that God wants us to do. Mark 12, 30 gives us the antidote of how, how do we do this and how, where does it start? Well, it starts right here. Mark 12 and 30 says, And thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, and with all thy mind, and with all thy strength. This is the first commandment. And so if we are going to be a 
true, genuine, happy, giving, serving servant of the Lord, then it needs to come from a heart that is in love with our Savior. A heart that is truly in love with what it is that He wants for us and and we're going to serve Him and, and do what it is that He wants us to do. So as we get into this and we look at this, and it'll probably be I, I dare say this, but it'll probably be a shorter message today, but uh, three simple points on, on and, and how we can be happy in a dysfunctional world and, and how can we be a giver in a taker society. Well, he's going to show us that we can do so if we are truly in love with our Savior and we are a giver in three ways. We're a giver with our time, we're a giver with our talents, and we're a giver with our treasures. And whenever we are in love with our Savior the way that we ought to be, then it shouldn't be so hard to be this kind of a giver. And so let's, first of all, let's give some thought to giving of our time. What do you mean, Lord? What is it that, that you show us in the Scripture of, of being a giver of time? And, and what, what is it that you're saying here that, that we ought to do over in Ephesians chapter 5? And, and in Ephesians chapter 5, kind of a wake-up call and and, and here he is saying that in verse 14 he said, Wherefore he saith, Awake thou that sleepest, and arise from the dead, and Christ shall give thee light. And, and then when you have that light of Jesus in your heart, and, and you know you have that forgiveness of Jesus in your life, and, and you've called upon him, and then see then that you walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise. And, and uh, circumspectly we know that you, you walk carefully about how you are conducting your life and cautious in, in what you're doing and making certain that you're not falling prey to the, the wiles of the devil and, and, the, and the temptations of the world and, and you're guarding against the, the mentality that our flesh wants to be a taker and, and you guard against that and you're a giver rather than a taker. And then he says in verse 16, redeeming the time because the days are evil. We need to redeem the time. We need to buy up the opportunities. We need to look at the opportunities that God has given us every day to, to walk with Him and to show Him that, Lord, I love you with all of my heart, with all of my soul, with all of my mind, and with all of my strength. Now, we, we have obligations throughout the week. Most of you have a, some type of a secular job that you're going to, or and and you're in the world every day, and you're and you're walking in the devil's world, and you're. But here he tells us that it doesn't matter what you're doing in this world, and whatever your job is, that doesn't mean that you have to stop loving the Lord with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Whatever you are doing, you need to be doing it with a heart that is in love with our Savior. Are you? Are you truly in love with your Savior? Are you, are you seeking to please Him in, in all that you're doing? Are you redeeming the time that you have and, and understanding that, that other than what's done for Christ is vanity and it has no lasting impact upon your loved ones? Nothing. Nothing has an impact upon them for eternity other than what you've done for our Savior. And so we need to look for the opportunities to be different than, than this evil world. Yes, it, it is evil, and the days are evil, and, and so we, we know that, and so we need to spend our time investing in those that, 
that are around us and, and investing our time in serving others. And, and you find that, that the more you serve that, and the more you're serving God, the, the truly happier you become. We're, we're in a society that's not full of very happy people at all. We drove through L.A. Uh, that's amazing to me, too. I mean, it's a 17-hour drive, and that pilot flew us home Friday night in an hour and 40 minutes. That's amazing to me. It's just amazing that, that at, at 3 o'clock in the afternoon, I'm driving through downtown L.A. with about 4.5 million unhappy people. And they drive like that, too. And, and, uh, but then you come back to Denver, and what is there, I don't know, a million maybe? And they're just as unhappy. Matter of fact, pretty rude at times, you know. Except for the cabbie in L.A., he really etched it up a notch. And so he said some not-so-nice things to me. I thought he said I was number one. My wife told me that probably wasn't the case. And so... I'm just happy. I was happy that he thought I was number one, and we're going to keep it at that. I'm not going to believe what she said. And so, but we, we have people that you're on a schedule, and you got to get there, and, and you're on this schedule, and you got to get there. And, and the only way I found that I am stress-free of going to the airport is I just head for the L.A. Air, airport about six hours early. And, and if I get there four and a half hours early, that's okay. I'm here. I, I, I'm, I'm here, I'm safe, I'm in my safe place, you know, and, 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 but then you're around half a million unhappy people in the terminals, you know, and, and it is interesting, isn't it, but, but here we see that, that our time, and, and, and I look at that, and I think, wow, the, the time that we need to invest in, in, in just serving others, and, and serving God, you, pretty soon you find out that the circumstances around you aren't such a big deal, and, and you actually, you start talking to people, and, and yes, there are some that are rude, but most of the time, if you are nice and you are friendly, they are nice and they are friendly too, and you can spark up a conversation. Now, there are those that'll be like, back off, you know, weirdo, don't want anything to do with you. But since I kind of look like Nicolas Cage and I'm in L.A., I can talk to about anybody and they think maybe they're talking to somebody famous. And so it's great. And I tell them, hey, Nicolas Cage, trust in Christ. You need to also. Is that, is that unethical? I, oh, you see, our, we, need to, we need to be willing, though, to give our time. You know, my heart is blessed by all of the servants that we have that come on a Tuesday night for Quam. I understand you don't have to do that. I understand that, that you have other things and obligations that, that come up in your life. And, and, and to come and spend an hour and a half with 97 or 98 screaming banshees, you know, and, and you, you walk out of here and you think, wow, that was, a, you know, a different experience. And, and, and I know you don't have to do that, but you do that, and, and it's a servant's heart, and, and it encourages me, and, and it encourages those around, and, and, and look, God is looking at that, and, and he sees that, and, and, and the world thinks that, wow, you know, there's been an hour and a half, what a waste, or, or whatever it may be, and, 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 and we know that God is watching that, and, and we know that when we see, I, I love it, you, you start teaching that verse, and, and you watch that verse kind of start making sense to one of those little kids, and then, then you watch and you see the salvation start 
start making uh, sense to them and understanding that, hey, I'm a sinner and I'm the one that needs saved and it's not my little brother or my, my, or my older sister, it's me that needs saved. And, and you see them trust Christ as their Savior and, and God is watching that and, and, and those are things that will make an impact on a child for all eternity. When you see that child trust Christ, do you realize that they have made a decision that will impact them and they are forever sealed in the eternal glory of God? I mean, there is nothing better and greater than, than that. Yes, we can make impacts on our kids in other ways too, but for eternity is truly what matters, and, and that comes by giving of our time, just showing people that you care. Stop and say hi to your neighbor that's out watering the flowers or mowing the grass or or I don't know, whatever they're doing, and, and stop and talk to them for a while and, and reach out to them. And, and, and you, you, maybe you hear they're going through a trial, and you say you go over and you just offer to pray with them and let them know that you put them on the list and, you're, you, and you care and you, and you really are dedicating your time. That's what Jesus did. I mean, you, you look at Jesus' life while he was here, and he's constantly going out and serving others and helping others and having compassion on others and, and, and just dedicated that time that he had, showing them what a servant truly was about. This is God Almighty who had legions and legions and legions of, 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 of angels that could have come and, and sang His glory in, on this earth and made everybody understand who He was. And, and instead, He took upon Himself the form of a servant and He served. Oh, how He wants us to be a servant and, and we need to learn to serve each other. Here in this in Ephesians chapter 5, right here where we were and, and how we need to be redeeming the time, it, it goes on here and, and it says submitting yourselves one to another in the fear of God. And then he goes in showing us how we need to serve and dedicate our time in serving God by serving our own family. Wives, it, you submit yourselves unto your own husbands as unto the Lord for the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, and he is the Savior of the body. Therefore, as the church is subject unto Christ, so let the wives be to their own husbands in everything. And, and here I'm telling you that the Scriptures show us over and over and over that the man is the spiritual leader of the home, and you ladies, you need to understand your position, your godly position that God wants you to be in is that you're a helpmeet to your husband and you need to support your husband and you need to be willing to follow your husband and you need to be willing to pray for your husband and you need to be willing to, to, to lift him up and complete him in, in who he is. And without you, he's not all, uh, uh, he's not all there. Well, he's not all there, but, but he's also... That he's just half of a person, you complete him and, and stop listening to society where they keep telling you as a woman that you need to be grabbing these things and taking these things and, and men are, are not any different than you are and you can do the same things that man can. Sorry, it doesn't happen. You know, I, I probably shouldn't, I'm not going to say it. Anyway, <clears throat> you are different. You are different and God has created you differently. And God wants you to be the, the kind of woman that, that God wants you to be. And you need to invest your time in your family and be that kind of a woman that you need to be. Be that kind of wife that your husband needs you to be. You need to be the kind of mom that, 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 that your children want you to be and, and, and invest your time in, into your family like you ought to. I got a lot of hot air. I turned it on, didn't I? 
And then husbands, love your wives even as Christ loved the church and gave himself for it. You know, I'm sick and tired of seeing these guys that think that they got to spend all their time running with their buddies and, and not spending time with their family or, or, you, you're, or you fall into some lie and, and some belief that, hey, my job is important because i got to go out and i got to take care of my family. And, and you end up married to your job rather than married to your family. And then pretty soon all you have is your job and you don't have your wife any longer and you don't have your kids any longer and your children are looking for somebody that's going to love them and love them more than they than you love the money so quit using that as an excuse and dedicating all your time to a place that all they're doing is paying you and the day that you quit is the day they're going to have somebody else in your position already and it doesn't really matter about that at all nothing eternal about that whatsoever your job does not define who you are God does and your number one thing is that you're a good husband and you're a good father to your children and you're godly in that and you dedicate your time to them. Believe me, it's up before you know it. I still remember dropping our kids off at Riverview in kindergarten for Mrs. Harding. And now we're looking at Tyler who's 25 and Thane who's getting his master's degree and, and working a, a, on staff at a church and, and Kareth who's 20 and, and some snob little boy looking at thinking he might going to marry her one of these days. <laughs> Time goes quickly. Time goes quickly. He is kind of a nice guy, but I'm not... I don't know. I'm moving on. Right? <laughs> Husbands, you need to love your wives even as Christ loved the church and gave himself for it. Children, chapter 6, verse 1, Obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor thy father and mother, which is the first commandment with promise, that it may be well with thee, and thou mayest live long on the earth. And ye fathers, provoke not your children to wrath, but bring them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. You know, I, I hear people use this a lot, and, and it, it's not God-blessed. Well, Sundays is our family day, and so we're going to take Sunday, and, and, and we're doing what God tells us because we're making this our family day. Now, he tells us that we need to come together and worship God on the first day of the week. We need to raise our children in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. We need to show them that first and foremost, that they need to be dedicating their time to their Savior, to their Lord, and, and understanding that that comes first in their life, and, and how we need to dedicate time to that, and, and show them the importance of that relationship with their Savior, and then, guess what? You can take Saturdays and, and use that as a family day, or, or whatever your day off is, and you, you know, our, our, our school system, and I know, look, I got, we got a lot of good teachers in here, okay? I understand that, but don't, let, don't become a slave to a school system. I, I remember back in Missouri that I had a good friend that taught, and, and there was one guy, he'd get so ticked off that during deer season because there was some of the dads that would take their kids out and go hunting with them for a couple of 
days, and, and they just thought that was the most uh, uh, atrocious thing in the world to pull their kids out of school and, and miss a, a day of English and, and a day of algebra, which I'm 51 now, and I still haven't used algebra a day in my life other than when Mr. Bain was trying to bang that into my head. And and, and, and how we need to spend all of our time being educated and, and look, some of the greatest memories that your children will have when you as a parent take time for them. You can't buy that. And it's well worth missing the day that you heard about dangling participles. <laughs> Amen. Or you missed out on the final story of Macbeth. Yeah, amen on that too. When they write that in real English. So, but our time, oh, how we need to invest our time in, in what's valuable. We invest our time because we love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, soul, mind, and strength. And so because of that, we invest our time in serving Him. We invest our time in serving Him by serving others. And it ought to come with serving, definitely serving your family. It ought to come by serving in your church as we've seen. It ought to come in serving the Lord. And whatever comes our way, we need to be redeeming the opportunities, redeeming the time, buying them up for the glory and honor of God. But oh, how we also need to invest our talents. Look over in 1 Kings. I, I, I need to hurry. That took longer than I expected, but 1 Kings chapter 19. Here we see that Elijah ha has had some wonderful victories in his life, and, and Elijah has come off of this time where, where he's done battle with the prophets of Baal, destroyed all of them, and, and then he's kind of had a weak moment, kind of a meltdown, you might call it, and, and God's been working on him, and, and then God tells him, hey, look, I'm going to send somebody to help you out, and his name is Elisha. And I want, you to, I want you to take Elisha, and, and he's going to help you, and, and Elisha is going to dedicate his life and all of his talents that he has, and, and he's going to use it to serve me, and, and in serving me, he's going to be serving you, and, and he's going to be there to help encourage you along the way. And in 1 Kings 19, 19, so he departed thence, Elijah departed, and found Elisha, the son of Shaphat, who was plowing with 12 yoke of oxen before him, and he with the twelfth, and Elijah passed by him and cast his mantle upon him. And he left the oxen and ran after Elijah and said, Let me, I pray thee, kiss my father and my mother, and then I will follow thee. And he said unto him, Go back again for what I have done, uh, for what have I done to thee? And he returned back from him and took a yoke of oxen and slew them and boiled their flesh with the instruments of the oxen and gave it unto the people, and they did eat. Then he arose and went after Elijah and ministered unto him. Here was Elijah. This was his living. This, was, this is what he did, and, and these are the things that were important to him and, and who he was, and God called him and used Elijah to do so, and Elijah took everything that he had, and, and not only did he just take them back and say, hey guys, take these oxen and do with them whatever you want, he took them back and he sacrificed them upon the altar, and he said, God, I don't want to go back to that. I'm, that's not who I am, and those things that I used to be, and, and those things that mattered to me, and, and all of my abilities that I have that I'd been using to make a living or to do whatever, I'm giving everything everything to you today, and it's yours. 
Every bit of who I am is you. And I'm going to do whatever it is that you have called me to do. And, and we need to invest our talents in that. Oh, if we would just have, if we would just have uh, uh, our parents that are sitting here today, if you would be as dedicated, and, and, and maybe you are, okay? I'm not saying that you're not, but some of you probably aren't. Because I know the battle that goes there because I've been there, okay? But there's going to be some of you that, that will invest all of your time in teaching your child how to throw a baseball and how to hit a baseball. You're going to spend all your time and all your money at all the camps in the world to show your kid how to dribble a basketball and, and, and dunk a basketball or whatever it is, or, or whether it be a wrestling. And, and by the way, our wrestling starts up October 17th, and so that's our commercial bleep in the middle. But uh, for our youth wrestlers, and, and we want our kids to learn those things, and, and they are enjoyable. Or, or you might turn around and take your children and, and invest all their time on a rifle and pistol team, or, or, or you invest all their time in teaching them how to be some great Jeremiah Johnson and, and, and camper and, and a hunter and fisherman, and you can be doing all of those things, and, and there is nothing that's going to stop you from getting them to their practices, to whatever it is that the coaches are telling you you that you must do for your children in all of these areas, whatever, but you won't do anything to teach your children and raise your children in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. Man, I, I, I went to pick up a kid at Quam. I drive one of the buses, and this little guy's been coming for a long time, and, and, and the first, first day he came, he was hum-hawing around, didn't really want to come, and, and he just flat told me, he said, I'm not coming anymore. Why not? Well, it's boring. I'm not going to come. And it bothered me. And it, and it made me realize, parents, we all need to understand this. Church and Sunday school, our connections classes, youth group, all of those things that, that we're doing to, to teach you, uh, teach your children and, and help your children find these kinds of friends that are serious about serving the Lord it cannot compete with recreation and sports. Your child will always like those. And, 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 we as, and that's what's happened with churches. Churches think that they have to compete with that so it becomes a recreational activity. And that's not at all what it's about. We come together to learn about the Lord. We come together to learn about salvation we come to learn about how to be a good steward of our time, a good steward of our talents, and, and, and a good steward of our treasures, and, and making sure that we are giving this to God and, and understanding that, look, I'm not against sports. I enjoy them. I love to play them, love to watch, love to do all of that. But don't let it become your God. Don't let it come to the point where, where the coach says, hey, we're, gonna have a, we're having a practice on a Sunday. Sorry, coach, but Sunday's God's day, and it's not yours. I mean, we, we, have, we have now that there are things on Sunday where this is not a, 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 a sacred day whatsoever. And you'll never know what God might have done in your child's life or in your life on that day that you missed the very preaching of God's Word. God might have done something special in your child's heart that day under that specific message, and you missed it, so that your child could throw a football another 12 feet, 
And really, do we want them in that? I mean, do we want them in that kind of pressure situations where, where they, you think, oh, yeah, my child is a professional football or professional baseball player. Yeah, I wonder how that's going. I wonder how that's going with all of the pressures that he or she is receiving in her life about doing all the immoral things that the rest of them do. All the pressures of taking that money and spitting it away that God is going to hold you accountable for. All the pressures of all those people wanting to be their friend and none of them care one lick about them at all. It's just about what they can get. But we'll invest our times. We'll, we'll go across the hot coal ashes with our bare feet to get our children to something like that. But a kid throws a fit on a Sunday morning. Well, we're not going to church today. Okay. You just taught him to be a little devil. And that's what he's going to do every Sunday. Because it's not as much fun as those things. I mean, we try to make quam fun, but honestly, quam is not there just to be fun. Quam is there to show these children, you need Jesus as your Savior. And we know many of them need Jesus as their Savior. <laughs> you see, we need to give our talents. We need to teach our children, hey, if God wants you to do those things, then so be it. You use it to glorify God. And you give Him the first and you give Him the best of everything that you have. We give him of our time. And so, whether therefore ye eat or drink or whatsoever ye do, do all to the glory of God. That's what Paul told the Corinthians. He told the Colossians, and whatsoever ye do, do it heartily as to the Lord and not unto men. Whatever we have, whoever we are and all the abilities that we have, let us give them to God and his glory. However he wants to use them, let us use them for his glory for his honor. And we will see that as we give him our time, as we give him our talents, and he starts working in our heart, he helps us become happier in a dysfunctional world. And he shows us how we can be a giver in a taker society. And lastly, we give him of our treasures. Turn over to Malachi, if you would. Last book in the Old Testament, right before the book of Matthew in the New Testament. And Malachi, here we know the prophets were we're talking to Israel and telling them, look, you guys, have, you guys have messed up and you're going to be judged for all the things that you're doing and, and all the things that are wrong and, and you need to get these things right. And, and, and God had said, you guys are robbing me. And he says, and the nation's like, what? How, 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 are, we, how are we robbing you? Will a man rob God? Verse 8, chapter 3. Yet have you robbed me, but you say, wherein have we robbed thee? In tithes and offerings. That, that's just what he said. I mean, we, we, we spend, I don't, I don't know, what's the average cost of a pair of basketball shoes now? Nike Airs or something, probably 130 bucks maybe? I, I don't know. I'm guessing like that. I mean, hey, I was into this. Tyler, I, I made him buy his last pair of baseball shoes. And he said, okay. I'm, and he was working for Kenny. Kenny worked him like a dog. Appreciate that. Work him hard, and, but he earned good money, and so he bought his own shoes, custom, custom shoes. I don't know what those things cost. Didn't want to ask. But the one thing I did like about it is he had a Bible verse on them. That was cool. Like that. Couldn't do that in the MLB or the NFL now because you'd be a bigot, and they would fine you for 
having something representing God on it. But uh, yeah, we really want to send our kids into that, don't we? I'm sorry, I'm getting messed up here. But you know, we we we'll we'll spend money on everything. I mean, I yeah, I mean, we can we can all pick something, couldn't we? You know, one of the things I always try to do, I would hope. I would hope in my own, this is my own life's principle. I would sure hope that I spend, I, I give God more than I spend on recreation. I would hope that I do every year. I hope that I give God far more than I spend on recreation. I owe God everything. I owe him everything that I have. Every day I get up and I am able to take a breath of fresh air, it's God's glory that I have that. When I can get out of bed on my own two feet and, and, and I have no handicap that I, and, and, and no pains and, 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 and the, you know, everything is working semi-normal you know, and, and I can thank God for that and I can thank God that I have a roof over my, ha- over my head. I can thank God that I have a family that loves me. I can thank God for the church that I have. I can thank God for, for my wife that I have who loves me and I can thank God that, that I have a car to drive and to go where I need to. I can thank God that He called me into the ministry even though He knows who I am. I can thank God for the grace that He shows me every day and the mercy that He shows me every day. I can thank God for the opportunities to be able to tell somebody else about eternity. And oh, we live our lives and and we're so short-sighted and and we think that this is all that we have is in this world. And and look, if you're unsaved, then this is as good as it's going to get for you. And and I don't want you to live that way. I don't want you to be a, a, a taker in this society. I want you to understand that Jesus Christ has come to serve you and, and, to, and to die on the cross for you and to, to give you eternal life and to show you a, a happiness that, that only God gives. And, and because of that, I am willing to give him my time. I'm willing to give him my talents. I'm willing to give him my treasures. God, whatever it is that you want, it's yours anyway. Whatever. Do you want my money? Take my money. I don't care. I made a long time ago, I made a promise to myself, I am never going to let a friendship dissolve because of money. A friendship that costs a whole lot more than what money is worth. Doesn't matter. Don't let money become that issue in your life. You need to realize that God owns it all. God owns every bit of it. Every bit that you have. I'm the one that earned that. God didn't do that. I did. God's the one that gave you the ability. God's the one that's letting you breathe today. God might decide, okay, you want to take my glory away from you? I'll take your life. Or maybe I'll just take your job that you're so in love with. And I'll take all of that money that you invested and think that that little nest egg is your idol. And God will say, yeah, no, I can, that's mine. I'll take it when I want it. It's already God's. We just give it to him. You know, he tells us when we start seeking the kingdom of God and his righteousness, he says, I'll give you the house to live in. I'll give you the clothes to wear. I'll give you the food that you need to eat. I'll take care of the basic necessities of life that, that you need. You just serve me. You give me everything that, that I deserve. That's what God says. And he says, will a man rob God? Oh, you've robbed me in tithes and offerings. 
You're cursed with a curse, for you have robbed me, even this whole nation. Bring ye all the tithes into the storehouse. Now, I know this is in the Old Testament. He's talking about this. And storehouse was different then than what it is today. But I'm telling you today, the storehouse is your church. The storehouse is the place where you come and worship God together. Don't be giving it to some organization on TV. You have no idea who they are. They might look really good on TV, but you find out they're just a bunch of little devils running around taking your money. You don't need to be giving it. I mean, you can think about all the things that all of our secular organizations do, and, and, and they, they give to, the, you know, they, they'll take care of the needs that people have. They get, some of them are good. They give them water. They give them blankets. They give them, you, you know, some money to get some things done. And, and then, then you, you know, you can even give to Bill and Hillary's little doodah thing where they was going to spend all that millions in Haiti, and, and, and we know where that all went. You can give it wherever you want to, and all you're doing is wasting God's money. But oh, how we need to bring it to the storehouse. Why? Because you're part of this. We decide together, how is it that we're going to use this? What are we going to do with it? Are we going to use it to reach this community? Or are we going to use it to reach out into world missions somewhere? Are we, are we going to buy another uh, van to, to drive and pick up kids? Are we, are we going to give some to the, to the Caring Pregnancy Center to help keep babies from being killed and aborted and show, show young ladies that there's a, a better option and, and they, can raise, they, can, they can have those children and, 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 and either give them to a loving family that will rear them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord or, or by the time you have that baby you realize that this is God's gift and, and you raise that child and, and, and help that child to be what God wants it to be. I don't know. We, can, we decide together but we give of our money and we, we do of that our treasures and we give that to God whatever it is that's important and your treasure might even be your children. Train up a child in the way he should go and he should not depart. And when he is old, he should not depart from it. That word train up has the idea of consecrating your children, dedicating your children to the Lord. God, you have given me these children and I'm going to raise them up. I'm going to consecrate them and dedicate them to you. And I pray that you use them in whatever way that you want to be you. Uh, you want to use them, but here they are. And, and I want to teach them to give of their time to you and their talents to you and, and all of their treasures. And, and Lord, he's my treasure and, and I'm giving it to you. Money shouldn't be a big deal at all, but it is. Kevin gave these to me a couple weeks ago, but charitable giving for churches, 49% of all churches, or, or 8 out of 10 people who give to churches have zero credit debt. Those that have debt obviously don't give. Tithers make up only 10 to 25% of a normal congregation. So in a normal congregation, 10%, maybe 25 here give of a tithe. And a tithe... The very word tithe means 10%. And it actually means the first tenth. When you go back and you read in historical uh, situations, you see that they would take of, of their, uh, whatever their, their crops or their animals or whatever, and the first tenth, they gave it to God. Gave it to Him. Here it is, God. Here's what we, we have in that first tenth of so I don't know if you're a farmer and you have 10 sections, give one section, give that first section to God. 
but don't do like they did in Malachi. Well, that section over there is full of goat heads and sandburrs and and nothing grew in that, so that one is God's field. That's what they did. I'll give God the first 10 calves of my 100 calf crop, but I'm going to pull off the sick ones and and, and those are the ones I'm going to give to God. That's what they were doing. And God condemned them. But only 5% tithe. And 80% of Americans only give 2% of their income. 5% of Americans tithe. Now, how many of those are even in a church? And so, but 80% of Americans only give 2% of their income. Christians are Get this one. Christians are giving, this at, and, and this was in 2016, are giving at 2.5% of their income. During the Great Depression, it was 3.3%. I, I told my wife this going, we were traveling to Meeker. And on a f- Saturday, packed, cars everywhere, $75,000 truck, Pulling a, I don't know, $75,000 camper, $60,000 boat. And I told my wife, I said, as our economy gets stronger, our Christians get weaker. Because we start taking what we have and we start playing with it. And, and we start using what it is that we have for, it just, it's just human nature. We all catch, you know, we all do this. Know how we ought to be giving to God. For families making 75,000 plus, 1% of them gave 10% in tithing. The average giving by adults who attend U.S. Protestant churches is about $17 a week. 37% of regular church attendees don't give anything to the church. 17% of American families have reduced the amount that they give to their local church. 7% of churchgoers have dropped regular giving by 20% or more. Now, I don't don't know what our, I don't know how our church fits into that. I don't don't go in and the ones that I personally check on to see if you tithe are the deacons. And myself. That's it. If you have a pastor that doesn't at least, at least give 10% of his income, fire him. Fire him. Vote him out. Tar and feather him. Chase him off. Don't let him stay in the county. Get him out. Mark him. Tell everybody. Publicly denounce him. Deacons are the same way. The deacons are a part of that leadership, servant leadership of the church. And if they don't give of their tithe, at least their tithe, at least 10%, they don't need to be a part of the leadership of the church. It is that important. Why is it that important? Because it's important to God. And, and it was mentioned a while back, and what we all need to understand, stop focusing on the 10%. And start realizing the 90% that God has given you to live on. If you can't live on the 90%, you got some trouble. 
we need to do some stewardship counseling. We need to help you out with that. Because where's our priorities? If you love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, with all thy mind, with all thy strength, it is easy. And the example that was given, Jesus was standing there by the temple, and he watched the rich men come in and, and give of their wealth. But then he saw the, uh, the old lady, the widow lady, come in and give everything that she had. Everything she had. And she has been recorded into the precious word of God for every generation to see her example. God bless those in Platte Valley who love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, soul, mind, and strength and are willing to give of their time, of their talents, and of their treasures. I have no doubt, I have no doubt every need that this church has can and will be met when everybody gives as God shows them that they ought to. At least a tenth. And, and I don't want you to think I'm radical, but it's tithes and offerings. 10% is just bare minimum. I dare you to step out, get out of the boat. Say, God, no, I'm not going to do that, but I'm going to do more. I'm going to do more, and I'm going to show you that I love you. And yeah, there will be things come up. You'll start doing that, and Satan's going to go out there and poke a hole in your tire. And God's going to show you, I'm bigger than that. I'm bigger than that. Your refrigerator is going to quit. I don't know about you guys, but the Monday household can't live without a refrigerator. <laughs> but God will show you how big he is. And we trust him. And we love him. And we become a giver instead of a taker. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for your word. I thank you for the preciousness of it. All of the promises that you give us. And Lord, we can rely upon them and trust that you will answer them. Lord, as you tell us, as we seek you and your kingdom and your righteousness, that all the necessities are given to us. And I thank you. And I thank you for the importance of investing our time in one another, in our marriages, in our families. Reminding us that each one of us, we need to give our talents to you. Use them for your honor and your glory. And Lord, take our treasures, whatever they are, and use them for your honor and your glory. Lord, we love you. We pray that you work in the hearts of each one who's here today. Guide us and direct us. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. 562, not a salvation message per se this morning, but I do pray that you know Christ.